Thanks, China, for uh, doing a great session. And I want to welcome everybody. My name is Stan Johnson. I'm executive director of MOA. And it's always a pleasure uh, chatting with our past, past presidents. Uh, their personalities and views on the industry keep those <laughs> and keep uh, MOA at the forefront of issues that impact our community. I want you to check, uh, click on the link in the chat to see their bios on each of them. And now let's, let's welcome our past presidents. From 2000 to 2010, Clint Bryant, Athletics Director at Augusta University. From 2010 to 2013, John Frazier, Associate Vice President, Director of Athletics at Northern Illinois University. From 2013 to 2015, Sharon Beverly. She is a President of Beverly and Associates and Interim Athletic Athletics Director at Guilford College. From 2015 to 2017, Mario Mocha, Director of Athletics at New Mexico State University. And 2017-2019, Peggy Davis, Director of Athletics at Virginia State University. Thank you all for being here. We welcome you. Uh, it doesn't sound like a clap, but that's what it is. <laughs> I guess we want to, I want to welcome you and thank you for, for being here and taking time from your uh, busy schedule. Uh, this is supposed to be a free flowing kind of open discussion with you, but I'm going to start uh, with the, where's the elder statesman of the group, Clint Bryant. Uh, and I say that because he was our first president. I don't know if Clint's on yet, is he? <laughs> Yes. There you are. Yes, I'm here, Stan. <laughs> All right. I just supposed to be open to give y'all some time to just a few minutes to say a couple of words. And I'm going to ask this question of each of you. That is basically, uh, what is more to you from your perspectives, having been uh, with us as, in this leadership role? What is more to you? Well, well Stan, uh, first of all, uh, thank you for uh, your continued uh, involvement with MOA as executive director. Uh, thank you, China, as, as, as president, for doing an outstanding job. I read the piece in uh, NAC, the magazine, this morning about your statements about the current state of affairs, and I thought it was spot on, so thank you for that. But, um, <clears throat> you know, when we first started some 20 years ago, um, Stan Johnson, Stan Wilcox, and Frida Golf, Charlie Whitcomb and Rosai were together at the NCAA National Office in Indianapolis. And uh, uh, Dan Bogan, uh, Vice President of the NCAA at that time, invited us out for dinner. And we went to a soul food restaurant in Indianapolis and had a really, really good time. And uh, when we got back to the, uh, the Marriott Hotel and sitting and chatting in the lobby, um, the conversation came up uh, that uh, we had the BCA at that time, the Black Coaches Association, but what did we have for minority uh, uh, administrators? And that's when we founded MOA that night, sitting there. And, uh, and, and then very shortly on, Bob Minix and, and others joined us as a part of that first group. And we all reached in our pockets to start uh, MOA. Then fast forward two or three years later, and uh, uh, the president at that time, Stan at um, Albany, um, who was president of NACTA, 
Lee McElroy. Uh, Lee McElroy. Lee, Lee McElroy um, made it a priority to, to, to make minority issues a part of the whole NACTA scene because before that, it wasn't many of us <laughs> involved in NACTA. And then Sean Frazier, as a part of that board, took that concept and ran with it. And one of the best things I think we've done at that time was become one of the first affiliate organizations of NAFTA and they gave us the type of infrastructure that we needed to be able to do what we needed to, to do. So uh, right now, all I can say is that what MOA has been the first 20 years, um, if the next 20 years look anything like it, I think the recent occurrences and what we've been dealing with, um, we need more now, more than we've ever needed more because without the Black Coaches Association and other organizations um, no longer in existence, we are the ones still standing and we have an obligation and an opportunity to really make this thing work. People are now talking. It's a part of the conversation all across this country because the people out there protesting are not just people that look like me and you. They're people from all genders and guess what? They are college students and they are coming back to college campuses and some questions are gonna to have to be answered. Uh, the thing with Kaepernick a few years ago, we didn't pay attention, but we should have paid more attention then because now we're gonna to have to pay a lot of attention. And, uh, and, and with that, Stan, I'll let uh, our other panelists talk. Thank you. Sean Fraser, the next president. Yeah, I, and I think Clint uh, gave us that history lesson and uh, thank him and think about uh, thanks to the, all of the, the leaders that come before us. Um, yeah, it's, it, this is some tough times right now. And uh, I'd be very nice not to bring that up as uh, America burns, right? So uh, I think for more for me is that advocacy group, you know, the current president, China Jude, obviously the, the presidents are on this call, you know, being a connector, a network, that supports people, but more importantly, provides consciousness on the issues that are happening in our society. So using sport, right, as a tool of education. But I think MOA has, is much more than that. It's an opportunity for folks to connect, not necessarily for the minority, but for the majority. Because I, I would echo what Clint just said. We need more more than ever right now. We need folks to understand that this is not going away. You know, this is not something that's going to be, uh, you know, okay, this too shall pass. These issues are significant in our culture and our fabric of America. And I think that what MOA provides is an opportunity for instruction, education, thought, forward thinking. And I think that the folks that make up this organization understand that. And the folks that want to peer in to this organization, maybe not be a member, but want to know what's going on, they need help. They need support. So for me, during the time period, it's, it's been great. You know, some of my best friends, you know, I'm chill to see the, the friendly faces. Y'all just gotten younger, not older. I'm going to tell you that right now. Y'all look good on this panel. I ain't going to lie about that. You guys are, 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 are real colleagues and friends of mine. And that spirit of understanding and that friendship and that network really drives your career. 
these are tough times and you do need support and more provides that that support so i'll just uh i'll stop there and and yield to the next president sharon you're on mute you're on mute sharon i'm going to apologize up front because i'm struggling with some laryngitis <laughs> um I think the most important thing when I think of MOA is what Clint said to me as I came onto the board. And that was, we are about people of color. And he stressed that before anyone else was talking about people of color. We heard a lot about black people, white people, you name it. Uh, Clint set the tone for us as a board. And when I think of MOA, we were being inclusive before it was the cool thing to do. Um, came onto a board with a woman in a leadership role, Alfreda Goff, you did not see that. Um, we took a woman who was serving from division three and made her a sitting president, which was me. Um, we talked about um, emphasizing everyone's voice. We took our organization and expanded it so that in that message of inclusion, creating committee structure where folks would have a bigger voice, our membership would have a bigger voice. So for me, when I think of MOA and I think of the value of MOA, it does not just say it values inclusiveness, it puts it out there and lives inclusiveness. So I'm gonna pass it on <laughs> to you, Peggy, as my voice starts to crumble again on me. <laughs> and you look awesome, by the way, it's good to see you. Thank you, I think it goes to Mario. Hey, Mario. <laughs> so what you're saying is uh, <clears throat> I was the vice president who was really under the radar. Uh, I always joke when Sharon was a president, I ensured that she would never be assassinated because they didn't want me to take over as president. <laughs> <laughs> but she had a she had a nice long tenure there, but um, you know my association with MOA is now um, uh, in its thirteenth year, and you know taken off on what Sharon said about uh, the diversity within MOA. Uh, I was just named athletic director, and I know I made a joke about this uh, uh, in front of him last time, but I was just named, and people are congratulating me. And Sean's with his group of guys, and I didn't know him too well, and he says you're the new AD at Southern Illinois University. I said, yes, I am. He says, well, hey, I'm Sean Frazier, and uh, what's your nationality? And I said, oh, okay, here we go. And that started it all, 13 years. But uh, it has been, as Sean said, you make lifelong friends within the organization, not just in the organization of intercollegiate athletics, because still to this day, when I have an issue with uh, uh, international um, um, uh, passport type things, uh, I call Rosa Frazier, all right? I call his wife to this day. And uh, it's that lifelong friendships that, that are built. But I think the other thing too, it's an opportunity uh, for a pathway to knowledge and advancement. Um, you know, as, a, as the president, I cannot tell you how many times to this day, I get a call from most likely a non-minority individual saying, hey, I need a person of color in X, Y, or Z field. I need some names. 
and then I'll get on the phone and I'll generate a list. So, you know, I, I know a lot of this business is also, um, um, you know, the, the who you know and the, and the interconnectedness and me being involved with MOA, I think hopefully has helped others advance in their chosen profession. Peggy? Good afternoon. Um, it's certainly great to see everyone. I can, I can tell you that this is what MOA is all about. We talk about our student athletes and their mental being, well, what about us? And MOA continues to provide opportunities for us to be educated, for us to learn, <clears throat> and to continue to grow in the field. And uh, Stan, what an outstanding job you continue to do as leader of this organization. And I would be remiss if I did not thank openly my mentor who got me started with MOA, whom I have watched very closely and from afar, Alfreda Goff, who got me involved. And I can tell you that was one of the best decisions of my professional career to get involved with MOA. So uh, Mrs. Goff, thank you for continuing to lead me and to guide me. And you know, this climate today has certainly been a testament to why MOA is so important. MOA continues to provide a platform for our administrators, for our student athletes. MOA allows us to be the visual for our student athletes on what they can be. We embrace diversity. We provide that voice, the resources that we provide to the young administrators uh, within the industry. All of that starts with MOA. You know, when MOA put out the report card on female administrators, uh, brown skin administrators, that was huge because it brought a lot of recognition to the industry and to where we're needed. You know, we strengthen leaders. It's just, it's been, it's been a great growth process and MOA will continue to flourish because our student athletes cannot be what they do not see. And MOA is providing that opportunity and avenue and voice to strengthen the leaders. And it's been a great blessing for me to be a part of this organization. China is doing a fantastic job. As we continue to grow, we will continue to embrace diversity and inclusion. Thank you. I'm supposed to be talking. Y'all supposed to be talking now. So I'm going to let this be open and free flowing. Uh, we can talk about what's going on today. Moa just put out a statement. And I think that's a, a, a good place to jump off on for y'all to talk about it. It's more needed uh, in, in, in this conversation. I've never heard y'all be this quiet. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start off. You know, you're right. You know, it, we're all dealing with backdrop stuff that's happening right now. I was talking to someone before jumping on, jumping on the call here. And, uh, you know, the consciousness of, uh, of what's happening in America right now really, really feeds into the need for an organization like MOA, right? Stan, you've done a phenomenal job uh, with leading the organization and obviously our current president uh, China Jude has been very much hardworking on all of these uh, different issues and out there uh, beating the drum um, as she should be. Uh, that's my little little punch to her because she does such a fantastic job. 
But I, but part of this is that you know we really do need to mobilize as a group to make sure our voices are heard continuously, because as we age and as we kind of go into a different plane of understanding, we have a lot of folks that are hurting and see these types of actions as just con continuously of a lack of respect for who we are. You know, the identification of sport, you know, sports such a visual component. And before this, we had the COVID-19. We're still involved with the COVID-19. And this creates a polarization of that, you know, hey, do we really matter? And I think Clint said it, you know, with the whole Colin Kaepernick situation, people wanted to be dismissive about this information. Didn't want to have real consciousness. They wanted to say, you know what, well, that's a one-off. That's really not happening in America at all. But it is, and it's going to be. And we need a plan instead of just talking about it and putting out statements. We need an action plan that's operational in nature that the majority can hold on to so we can move forward. So I'll throw that out there, see if folks want to chime in more about that conversation. Well, you know, I'll, I'll take that, Sean, if I can. You know, I, I had reached out to Stan. I had reached out to Ed Scott, as many people around the country. And, you know, this is all about difficult conversations, so I'll kind of go first as a non-African-American. You know, you want to make sure that the words you're speaking from the department are um, something that's not going to offend anybody, right, but yet be meaningful. So I had asked Stan, I had asked Ed, hey, this is the statement I was thinking. I looked at a lot of statements. I thought, and I don't know this gentleman, but the Michigan State head football coach put out an outstanding, I don't know if anybody on this Zoom is from Michigan State, but I thought he kind of hit it out of the park um, just by covering everything. But as Stan and I were talking yesterday, he really uh, made the point that the MOA statement actually outlined something to do versus, yeah, that's great. We have statements and, you know, time passes. But, you know, that, I think that's the big question. What are some things we can do? And I think also, how can we start having conversations? I just noticed in, I don't know if it's popular culture or news, but uh, the Breakfast Club and Rush Limbaugh are talking. You know what I mean? That might be, you know, pretty odd groups, but hey, they're talking. So, you know, what can we do on our campus, um, you know, with some action steps to accomplish something versus just making a generic statement? So I just want to say, Stan, I know maybe he didn't solely author that, but I thought it was uh, great to have steps to do. Give credit to Rob Knox and Renee Miles and the executive committee of the board. We all looked at it and made statements, put it together. <laughs> well, I think Stan is no question. Uh, it was an exceptional piece and it uh, gives direction. I've already uh, sent it to several um, colleagues and people around the country because I think it was a very powerful statement. And I think this offers an opportunity for MOA to continue to market ourselves and to, 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 to grow ourselves. Because again, as I mentioned earlier, I think that we're needed now more uh, than ever. And, and the thing too that Peggy mentioned early on is that you know when we first started this thing, we wanted to uh, make sure this wasn't about Division One. We wanted to make sure that uh, the historically black institutions, those people in Division Three and junior college and small schools and NAI, everybody felt a part of. And MOA has done an outstanding job in that whole inclusivity piece. 
Um, the other thing is that when Mario and uh, our uh, Hispanic brothers came on, along with other people of color, and uh, uh, Dan Guerrero of um, UCLA and others came on, that helped us to, 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 to say that more was about people of color and how do we uh, manage this thing. The issues that we're dealing with today is something that we've been dealing with for a lot of years. So we're not surprised as people of color the, uh, of the things that uh, uh, have been transpiring. Uh, what the surprise is, is that uh, young people, again, have picked up the mantle for discussion and taking it to the streets as they did in the civil rights movement, as they did in the anti-Vietnam movement. We have not seen that in a long, long time. Um, the other thing I'll leave you with is that when uh, 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 the BCA and John Thompson decided to walk that time to protest Proposition 48, some changes occurred because the threat of the riot might be just as effective as the riot. What we find ourselves in today is no longer the threat, but the actual riot. And what is is showing that young people are fed up. They are frustrated. They are angry. But that's what has brought about change in our country for years. And this, too, shall bring about change. And I think more as the organization that we are, the one that's standing now in intercollegiate athletics and how we represent ourselves now is that more people, more organizations should be trying to involve themselves with more. Sean and his president did a great job of bringing Learfield on and things like that. We just need to continue to bring folks because the climate is right right now. We're going to find people knocking at our doors that weren't knocking before because they are looking for a way to express themselves and say, uh, we are trying to be more inclusive. We are trying to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. And I certainly agree. Timing is so important. And the time frame that the statement went out from MOA was right on point. Because I think had we pushed the, the statement out sooner, no one was really listening because people were angry. And now that the dust is settling, people are now looking for answers and looking for guidance and looking for help and support. So when this statement came out, it came out right on time because this is the time where now we're settling and we're looking for assistance. So again, that goes to the leadership. Thank you for the timing and sending the information out when you send it out because it sent a lot of messages between the lines. Yeah, no, just a one piggyback on this. You know, we always uh, are sometimes put in a box relative to diversity and inclusion being an add-on. This is an opportunity based on the timing that the presidents are talking about to make this a part of the mainstream, the normal, okay? I think that, uh, you know, all this is happening is giving a certain level of consciousness that, okay, let's not just pick this thing up or these issues up when we have a crisis. Let's start dealing with this as a normal way of doing business, just like we do, okay, as people of color. 
I think that this is going to give us an opportunity to say, this is what needs to happen in the mainstream. And if we don't keep this at on, on the current edge of what you do, we will have explosive types of things. And I, I don't want to get so heavy, heavy fisted on that, but I think it gives, if talking to my colleagues, a consciousness that, okay, all right, that could blow up. No, no, let's just keep this as a normal part of our conversation. That means hiring. That means representation. That means student athlete support. You know, it encompasses all those pieces. So I think this is a great opportunity for MOA, its membership, and others to be in that fabric, not that add-on. So I, I, I totally agree. I, I think this is a perfect time to put on. Yeah, and to just chime in, <clears throat> excuse me, this is sort of the tipping point right now. You know, we had Breonna Taylor. We had the young man in Georgia shot while he was jogging. And now we have the tipping point. And to a certain degree, yes, we do have to capitalize. You know, the, the saying is strike while the fire is hot, right? The fire is hot. And we do have to get out there and use this as the opportunity to make everyone listen. That we can, as Peggy said, and as Sean and, and my, my colleagues have said, we can make a statement and then go back to normal. Or we can really challenge people to be the change that we keep talking about over and over and over. So hopefully this will be, quote unquote, the tipping point. We will get more people than just people of color talking about this because we are seeing black, brown, white, yellow. Dr. King, I'm sure, is in heaven right now doing a dance and, and praising and clapping because this is what he would have wanted to see. So I do hope that we can continue to move this forward and continue to capitalize on this well, momentum. Sharon, you bring up a good point, and, and I want to throw this out to the group because I've had a number of white individuals ask me, what can I do? And as uh, people who want to be, MOA has always said we're, we're about people of color, but this organization is for everybody. We don't care whether you're white, black, brown, whatever, you can be a part of this organization. So what are some things that we need to be able to say to those individuals who want to be here or maybe scared to be here <laughs> uh, because of the, you know, being seen as associating there? Tell me what some things could be, that we should be doing. Well, I think we do it. We do the outreach. And, and that's what's important. You know, we talk about times where we walk into a room and we're the only person of color. And how do other folks interact with us? How do they make it relative for us to be a part? And I think what we do as MOA is we do embrace everyone. So I think we need to continue that um, experience and, and that um, process where we do talk about including everyone and we make everyone feel valued and welcomed within our association. And I tell you what, Stan, I mean, just since when I started versus where it is now, you know, our receptions look vastly different than they did now. I mean, you used to have non-people of color kind of peek in the room and say, oh, no, no, what's going on in there? You know, now it's like, oh, hey, man, this is a, uh, this is a deal. I know a bunch of people in there. Um, so I think we've made tremendous strides. I also think MOA is set up or teed up. Uh, more relevant than ever now when you have non, and I'm not just talking about athletic directors, ad, administrators uh, not of color, 
saying, hey, I want to do something. What can I do? You know, well, we're the organization you're going to look toward. It's not going to be NACMA. It's not going to be NAD and not going to be CADMA. And no offense to those groups, but that's not a part of what they're doing. So I think MOA is positioned to be as more relevant than it maybe ever has been in its history. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but over the last couple of days, I've seen more interaction among uh, uh, people uh, across this country. Uh, there's not a college president in this country who has not made a statement. Uh, there's not a uh, conference commissioners, coaches, uh, 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 organization, everyone's making a statement. And, 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 and I can't remember a time in the history of our country that so many people now are speaking out. And I think it's a little bit of everything. People are angry, people are a bit surprised, but people are worried. They are worried what this might mean to intercollegiate athletics, professional athletics, what this means, what's happening now. Because this has moved from being just about uh, police brutality. I remember in New York in 1967, a young black boy was killed in, in the, the, from Harlem to Manhattan burned. Um, I was a seventh or eighth grader in 1968 when Dr. Martin Luther King was killed and what happened. And we've watched over the last couple of years of that uh, the violence in Baltimore or wherever St. Louis or wherever was occurring. But this is something now where all of America, the entire country from New York to Seattle, from Seattle to Miami, from Miami to LA is being affected by what's going on. So this is gonna bring about social change. And we as an organization has been about this change the whole time. And now we can say to the rest of the world and particularly intercollegiate athletics and higher education is that, and that's what I think was so powerful about your piece is that you not only made a statement, but you were able to offer some solutions to how you might address and attack this. I've read a lot over the last few days, but this piece by Moore was the only piece I read where somebody said, okay, we understand your, your hardship, we understand your anger, you understand your frustration, but this is how you can go about making a difference. That's a heck of a platform for more to stand on, guys, and I'm so proud of you. And, and this is also going more than nationwide. We're seeing worldwide reaction to what's happening here. So that also is, is just very empowering. We're seeing people in London protest, people in Europe protest. It's, it's really empowering. Stan, you, you asked the question, you know, what do we do? You know, where do we go from here? I think we continue to push and we continue to encourage our counterparts and our presidents and, and CEOs to provide opportunities and access. Because that's how we will continue to get the voice and get the message out is through continued experiences and opportunities and access to our young administrators. And Dan, just the, you know, the other part of this too, I get just like, you know, Mara had mentioned about administrators giving phone calls and 
you know, asking for lists and figuring out how things go. This is a perfect opportunity. You know, we, we, we know the numbers, right? We know the, the numbers of, 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 of women and ethnic racial minorities and specifically African-American women who, who are just absent at the table. And we constantly talk about, you're not around the table, you're on the menu. So this is the time to get people around the table, have some conversations, talk about how we can better educate the majority, the minority, but using MOA as a way to help many that quite frankly are looking around and saying, I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not there and my expertise is not there in this particular area, but I need to educate myself. I need to understand what is going on. I'm, I'm afraid, I'm nervous, I'm concerned. This is an issue that is very volatile. These are all the cold words, right? MOA could help in this regard, has helped in this regard. So I think this is a great opportunity, quite frankly, in this crisis, a great opportunity for folks that are looking at this saying, I need to better educate my staff, my people, my organization, my community, and for us to, to continue that line of conversation and discourse. So um, I see this as a great opportunity uh, for many that are sitting back on the fence, wondering what they're going to do and how they're going to do it by embracing MOA, its leadership, uh, in a way where it can disseminate this stuff and we can start rolling up our damn sleeves and getting after it our student athletes um, we we've talked about the administrators in this process what about our student athletes that are going to be coming back to campus now because they've all been away and have come out coming out of a volatile situation and now we need to be able to say to them here's some things you need to do what do we need to do <clears throat> i don't care <laughs> And I'll tell you, you know, and, and, and at some of us, we do have our student athletes on campus. Um, you know, we have uh, the majority of all football players, you know, they'll be able to begin on Monday with their voluntary workouts. So I had a chance to, you know, speak with uh, the offense and the defense properly spaced out six feet apart with mass. Uh, but, um, you know, just told them, hey, we understand um, um, the frustration that's around the country. And uh, while I'm not in your shoes, I'm going to say I, I also at least understand, you know, how, you know, why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And we want to be there for you. We want to support you. We want you to be safe. We know we're in a community that isn't an urban area that's, you know, has a lot of stuff going on. So it's a little quieter here in Las Cruces. But, you know, I think the first thing is to let them know, hey, look, um, we're here for you. And we understand that you're frustrated and let us help you um, um, channel that however you would like to be heard. Um, our basketball team, they just wrote it up in uh, CBS Sports, you know, we were the first uh, collective team with the coaching staff to attend the prote uh, a protest that was downtown yesterday. Um, they sure didn't know there was going to be news media there, but a lot of people picked it up. So. I think certainly letting our student athletes know that it is okay. Um, um, but at the same time, um, hey, we want them to be safe. We're all, you know, whether it's COVID, whether it's being out on a regular Saturday or whether it's um, a protest, we want them safe. But I think the bigger question is, and I'd love to hear from some of the other presidents, when all the other student athletes come back, the majority are not uh, of color. 
you know, how do we more successfully uh, integrate the message of, of, of moving forward and with some tangible steps? One of the things too, I think is uh, important uh, based on what's been said is that uh, uh, there was some concern three years ago back when um, uh, Colin uh, first knelt, uh, how would that affect uh, on our campus? And it was viewed then that there will be athletes of color, African-American athletes in particular. And uh, you know, we all started to get some questions, not only from our administrations, but from our fundraisers and from our alumni and everybody else on how that might look. But what we have coming back to campus now is gonna be a group of student athletes of all colors gonna take a knee and, and show solidarity. I think one of the things, as you notice, we've had uh, 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 National Guardsmen, we've had police officers and others taking a knee and showing solidarity with these, with the, these group of protesters. And so uh, our campuses can get ready because I think our student athletes, like our student population in general, will come back to our campuses asking questions, needing answers. And we need to be prepared in higher education to deal with that openly and honestly. And that's where it's all been. I, I think that's one of the things that Moa has always stood for, is let's have some open and honest discussion. And we've been leaders in that and providing um, formats during our symposium. This symposium is just like all other symposiums that we have had, where we have taken the opportunity to have open and honest conversation. I became aware of an article done by Tim Duncan, the AD at the uh, University of New Orleans this morning, not from Tim, but from some of my white colleagues who said it was this powerful piece that, that they, they've ever read. And so I think these are the type of things that our student athletes need to be aware of and cognizant of, of knowing that they're not in this struggle alone, but they're in this struggle as a total population of people. And I think we'll see more of this as this fall. I don't think it's by accident that the pandemic and all of this turmoil has happened at one time. I think it has created the purple, the perfect storm for change. And now how do we react to that, purple, that, that perfect storm? It's up to people like ourselves to continue to lead in whatever manner we can. And I think Moa has shown tremendous leadership and will continue to show tremendous leadership in, in, in doing so. You know, Stan, I would like to see us talk to our student athletes about dreaming big. When we talk about having a seat at the table, not just thinking about being um, an, an athletics director, which is great, but how about being the president? How about being the college president? How about being the vice president of student affairs? I want them to start to dream big because that's going to give them the voice that can really make change. We're all talking about talking to our presidents. We need to start thinking about being the college president. Uh, we've got a young woman, uh, Kristen Aberay, who was an athletics director at uh, Lawrence University. 
and has just been appointed as the uh, assistant to the president. She's going to be a college president eventually, and that's what we need. We need some more people moving up the ranks, thinking big, dreaming big, so that we can get the seat at the table to make change. It is going to take, and I certainly agree, it's going to take a lot of communication when our kids return. It's going to take support, and it is going to take leadership. Our student athletes are very anxious right now, and they're anxious, they're anxious for mentally, emotionally, and physically, not only because of the pandemic, but because of the social economic system that's going on right now. Our kids were thrust back into their situations where they may not have had access to technology. Therefore, from an academic standpoint, they're frustrated and they're upset, not because they, they were forced to go remotely, but because they may not have had the resources in order to continue on that successful path. So it is going to take communication and we have to be in a position to stop because we're all very busy and we're gonna to have to be able to sit down and communicate with our student athletes and to listen to their frustration and to ensure them that we will all get through this together and that they will have opportunities to steal and continue to be successful. All right, I thank you all for the conversation. I wanna give us some time to take some questions from the audience. Do we have any questions from the audience now? my person. All right, now. <laughs> hey, Stan, here's a question. All right, good. What strategies can we utilize to stay safe in our communities with COVID-19? That's, that's for anyone on the panel. Um, Renee, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put my undergrad psychology degree to good use with a medical question. Um, you know, for us here and, um, you know, I know all states are different, you know, we're a little more uh, closed than other states, than our bordering states of Texas and Arizona. You know, we've certainly looked at our state guidelines. Um, you know, the one thing that we did, um, we utilized the people on campus. We're very fortunate. We have a Regents professor who's a world-renowned virologist. So we ran our plan by her, and then we, you know, we went to our state, uh, the state of New Mexico Department of Health, uh, their head uh, epidemiologist. We showed them our plan. So I think, you know, as we all are developing plans, getting buy-off at the highest level, you know, ultimately these things are turned into campus. And, and, and I think there will be some learned people on all of our campuses. But I think if you can get some of the heavy hitters to approve the plan, it can much more, you know, grease the wheels um, to get our student athletes back uh, faster um, so they can begin their training and proper eating and, and all that stuff. And at the same time, you know, give them a, and their parents a comfort that, um, you know, all the proper measures are taking to, uh, you know, stop the, uh, stop the spread. We can't be in a too big of a hurry based on economics to get back uh, uh, in the means a lot has occurred a lot of states are trying to come back um, me personally think uh, a little bit too soon and I think we will see over the next uh, month to six weeks 
what the ramifications of that uh, will, 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 will be. Um, 40 um, million people are drawing unemployment right now. It's a tough time. So it's uh, important that uh, we all try to stay safe and make sure that the safety of our employees and our student athletes is still the number one priority. Michael, any other questions? Yeah, I have a question, Stan. Uh, thank you all for your service to the organization. Um, it's definitely greatly been greatly appreciated. Uh, the question that I would have for you all is, moving forward, what do you think the most important issue um, that this group should be working on um, in terms of assisting the membership moving forward? I'll, I'll, I'll try a little bit here on that. I think that, you know, the outreach is key, right? I, I think that uh, Mo has done a great job with, uh, with increasing its membership, you know, especially during my time to where it is today. But I think the outreach, making it mainstream, I've already talked about the fact about the opportunity right now based on what's all happening uh, in our country and in the world right now, but I think that MOA has a lot to give. Uh, and I think it has uh, the richness of MOA it's, it, is its experience and its network. So I think it's important now to find new ways and to continue the ways to uh, integrate within the higher education culture, especially in athletics culture, that it is a mainstay. It's not an add-on. It's not, okay, if I have enough money, I'll join. It is a part of the process of, of discovery uh, and also maintaining that level of conversation. So this constant interactions that are producing things like access and opportunity, but also too, that folks are having conversations that, that are substantive about our time right now for the young people and for our administrators. So I think that is a, a central core requirement and we should all be working on that even as past presidents to make sure that we open up that kind of a conversation and create that shared agenda i think that is a critical component i don't believe and i'll just say this this might be sacrilegious that the ncaa can do that i think you need an external body with advocacy with quite frankly with a, a certain level of respect and understanding that can go in and have conversations with people who know that you're genuine and authentic on reasons why you want to do some of those things and quite frankly have the ability to move that agenda and i think moa can do that based on its relationships and its leadership you know michael i think you asked that question i'll chime in from a you know from my chair um we first of all we've seen the membership uh increase tremendously over recent years, and I know with China and Ed has been a key on the membership, uh, as well as Renee and others. Uh, so it's trending in a very positive direction. I think the big key now is, can you afford not to be a member? You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting in the lane where, you know, crisis, letting a crisis go to waste. But the reality is this, out of all the organizations that are out there, and out of all the tightening of belts on our campus, this is one thing that I believe, um, and it's not a sales pitch, it's a reality pitch 
can you at this moment afford not to be a member of MOA? And um, I, I think you'll be hard pressed to find athletic directors who say, yeah, we don't, that's not a need. I think it's a need now more than ever. And it wouldn't surprise me to see membership uh, jump up significantly, um, you know, in light of recent events. And I also think that it's key, we have to have a seat at the table at the decision-making table outside of our organization as well as within our organization. Because when we have a seat, we can certainly impact the direction of some of those that will roll down to our membership. And when we have individuals on our boards, our more boards and participants who lead organizations and lead such as Dina, uh, within the Minority Opportunities Group, I think we will continue to have a voice and it will continue to benefit our organization and our membership. And one of the things, you know, I, th I think uh, recently we saw the, uh, uh, the NFL talking about adding addition to the uh, Rooney rule. Um, I, I, I think uh, we should continue. I, I think Lapchick talked about having a uh, a rule in college that was similar. Uh, I think as we look across the board and we see uh, people of color um, getting more uh, jobs and playing roles uh, in higher education, uh, that we can continue to build on that. I think it was Sharon who said earlier, as we push our kids to think bigger and larger than the AD, but as vice presidents and presidents and all the leadership roles that are involved in, uh, in, in administration, uh, that is a part of what more needs to continue to do to be an advocacy group of helping promote uh, people of, of, of color and in the makeup or the culture of intercollegiate athletics. And, and I think as we see the AD now at the University of Virginia and, 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 and Vanderbilt being female women of color, that has occurred on the backs of people like Afrida Golf and the Sharon Beverly's of the world that has led the way. And now we are seeing to reap the benefits. So we need to continue to just press on. That's all we can do is press on. And that's what we've done as people. We've always pressed on. Okay. Any other questions? Uh, uh, yes, I had a question. So I am so I'm at Birmingham Southern in Birmingham, Alabama. And um, just by nature, I've always been very visible in the campus I've been on. Um, I was able to earn a seat at the table. I've been at the table but I'm the only person of any color at the table. And I'm trying to figure out what the best ways are to use this to push progress in the right direction instead of just reactionary, let's create all kinds of committees and panels and, and stuff to hit all of the topics. Like I want, I want to use this to, to actually have real change that's going to affect our student athletes. It's actually going to put us in our, in our local community this college sits as a little oasis within historic black area of this town. And yet we don't interact with the communities that surround us. There's one way in, one way out, and we don't really have programming that interacts with the neighborhoods that surround us. So 
how do I do that? Like what's, because the wheels have already been turning. So how do I push the train in a direction that's actually going to get us to real progress and not just some check boxes? You need some help. You need some help first off. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put it out there. You know, so I, I, I am aware of your, your university. Uh, I went to a little school down the road from you. Uh, You're going to say miles? No, no, no. A little further, 51 miles south of you. Right. So at the end of the day, uh, and my, my family is from Birmingham, uh, Avenue, Avenue I in Ensley, uh, Alabama. So I know the area very well, but I will tell you this. Um, you need to have that conversation about support and help. Being the only one, okay, you're, 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 you are, are, are doing things that, quite frankly, God bless you for doing it. But you're going to have to put a comprehensive plan and have folks have accountability to that because you will get burnt out rather quickly if you do not have that level of support. So the programming is programming. Um, you can get people to go. You can get people to sign up. But long-term effect requires systemic change. And what you're going to have to do there is get together and put together a strategic plan specifically for diversity and inclusion. If that's the goal to integrate community, campus, other types of services, especially for recruitment and retention of students of color, uh, as well as faculty and staff of color. So there's a whole process there, probably longer than we have on this call. Be glad to have a conversation as members of the panel or all experts in this area. But I think that it starts with the grassroots approach and knowing who your allies are that are probably non-minority that can have accountability to resources and other things to make the end game being an environment that's safe and nurturing. And one of the things too, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is that we didn't know 20 years ago, uh, coming back from that dinner in Indianapolis, that more would become. We had some idea. We had a dream, so to speak, that more would become what more has become. And it starts one individual, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the march of a thousand miles starts at one step at a time. <laughs> to eat that uh, two-ton elephant is one bite at a time. And so I would suggest you is to continue to take it one bite at a time and join allies and bring people in, but remain open and remain honest about your intent and where you're trying to take things. And I think that will shine through. You will find that there are more people that think like you than think against you. And you need some help. And don't be afraid to go to the authorities or those in charge and ask for that type of help and that type of assistance. Hey, Jennifer, I was just going to throw out there because I'm the least crass, uh, the most crass president, past president. You know, can you get some, I found with university committees, uh, it's better to have more of me than them. You know, if there's any way that you can even get an ally to get another person of color on there, and then maybe two, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with packing the court if, if you are allowed to do that. And, um, um, you know, whenever we have a, a five-person committee, I love having the three, um, no matter what the issue is, and somebody else having the two, but I'm curious if you can maybe get one other person on there and then, 
and then that maybe tips the seesaw a little bit in your favor. And my advice would be for you to figure out where your passion lies. You mentioned a lot of different things that you'd like to do. Um, if it's get involved in the local community, maybe you could start your student athletes doing some reading programs in the local community at local schools, elementary schools that are close to you. Where does your passion lie? And then try to bring on some folks that also have that same passion and you'll build sort of a little coalition with your, with your group. So that would be my advice. Where's your passion lie? And then using that to be your platform. I, I want to keep us on time with our symposium. Let's give our past presidents another round of applause for all of uh, their hard work and what they've been doing. I really appreciate you coming. And um, I want to personally thank each of you for your friendship and the leadership you have continued to provide us as an organization. Uh, you have helped us reach this milestone of 20 years. Uh, and uh, the membership thanks you and I thank you. Uh, our next session will begin shortly, so stay tuned. Thank you all for being here and I appreciate it and look forward to, don't worry, you're not gonna get away. You know, we're gonna always, I'm always gonna call you. So that's not a problem. <laughs> Thanks. Good to see everybody. Bye bye now. Y'all be good. <laughs>